Life's experiences and how we handle it make us who we are. Welcome to the Jamodi Podcast, where we interview coaches and leaders to find out not just what they do, but how they do what they do. Becoming the best version of ourselves is Jamodi, just a matter of doing it. Today we are joined by LSU's head women's basketball coach, Kim Mulkey. Coach Mulkey led the Baylor Bears the last 21 seasons to 19 tournament appearances and won three national championships. She was recently inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame. In this episode, Coach Mulkey discusses one quality that all great leaders possess, the non-negotiables of her program, how to build confidence in players, and if she could start over in coaching, what would she do differently? Before we hear from Coach Mulkey, take a moment to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on social media at Jamodi Podcast. How are you, Mr. Matt? Coach, what oh, is... Oh, man, you doing all right? Oh, I'm great. I, I just, I'm so honored that you, you'd you even think of jumping on with me here. Heck yeah. It's, it's not like this is a busy week for you or anything, you week, know. Week, month, days. Look, I'm throwing boxes of shoes in the back <laughs> of a truck to send to Baton Rouge at some point. I'll just move a little at a time. Yeah. Well, congratulations on the Hall of Fame and your speech was incredible. I loved it. Well, you know, I don't write speeches. I just kind of jot notes and talk from the heart, but they made me send a speech in for the archives and (laughs) put on a teleprompter like two or three weeks ago. And I thought, you know, I'm going to try to follow what I sent. But there's going to come a point in there where I'll just talk from the heart. And I think about halfway through, that's what I did. Yeah, well, it was awesome. And and just from getting to know you over the years, I, I, I loved every minute of it. Uh, what's one quality that you see in leaders that coaches need to cultivate in themselves? Well, I think trust. I think that um, players have to trust coaches or they won't buy into what you're telling them. Mm. And I think that comes from being knowledgeable about what you present to your players. Always be prepared. Always be honest with them. And always make them understand that you're human and Mm. that you're not going to make the perfect call through the course of a game. It moves too fast. And, um, you know, I, I would I would use the word trust. I love that. You know, I, I had the, the pleasure of just getting to be around you for four years at Baylor. I, you were always a coach that I thought I would have loved to play for. And one thing is just you're a great motivator. And what are some, some things that you use maybe to even build that trust with players or to motivate them on a daily basis? Well, I, I think that I try to um, – put myself in their shoes. I played the game and I played for some of the greatest coaches. And what I learned from those coaches, I incorporate into my personality. Don't try to be those coaches, but the qualities and the things that they taught you, incorporate it and translate it to your players. I think, um, Honestly, I really believe this. When you take over a program that is at rock bottom, um, which it it was when I came to Baylor, Mm -hmm. motivation is 75% of the whole thing when you don't have 
the talent on that floor to compete. And you have to motivate them. You have to make them believe in themselves. You have to push them beyond limits they think they can even go. And then as your talent gets better and you recruit better, then you don't have to motivate as much. You have to do more X's and O's in teaching. Now, certainly you have to do X's and O's always. Mm -hmm. But I just think that when the talent is is not equal to your opponent, you got to make kids play better than they are every day. Yeah, it seemed like you were able to, you had a vision and that you were able to, to show that vision or have your players really buy in uh, early on there. Well, and you give them everything you have. I never ask them to give me more than I'm going to give them. And that's why I, I, I'm, I'm passionate. I'm intense. I'll get on a referee. I want them to see coaches working for every point out here. It matters to her. And if she works that hard, then, man, we can't slack off. We got to work just as hard. The Jamoti Podcast is powered by Sideline Interactive. Sideline Interactive is the leading manufacturer for high-quality, innovative scoring tables and LED video display boards that help coaches and schools bring more excitement to fans, create huge fundraising opportunities, and make their jobs easier. Visit sidelineinteractive.com to check out their amazing products. What are some non-negotiables in your program? Oh, I think discipline. I think that um, you, you must have discipline within your program um, because the one minute, you know, I, I have, there's a saying that what we allow is who we become. Oh, wow. And um, I don't want to ever look the other way, put something under the rug uh, when it comes to discipline, because it's going to come back to bite you. Mm. And um, you, you, you just have to make tough decisions when it comes to discipline society has changed matt from when you played um you know um from from marijuana to arrest and you know everybody looks at things differently now as a society discipline within a team is so mandatory because when you get to the tough games if you didn't teach discipline and you didn't um, and, and you let kids just get away with things, you're not going to win those games. Mm. And, and I think the game of basketball teaches people all kinds of life lessons that they will take with them later. It teaches you how to pick yourself back up after being down. It teaches you how to handle success. It teaches you how to work hard. It teaches you how to work with people that you are totally different than but for the common good of that team, we got to figure it out. There's so many things that are taught um, within the game of basketball that all of us use in our, our daily lives. Uh, this is one uh, I think you're a master at is how do you build confidence in your players? Well, each player is different. I think a lot of times you see players are broken down and then you've got to build them back up. What, what you mean, what I mean by breaking them down is everybody comes from a different high school system. Mm -hmm. And yet when we come together at the collegiate level, we all have to be broken down as players to be molded back into what that coach is trying to get. And so you have those moments where, you know, that kid's down in the dumps, had a bad game, can't get off the bench, can't do anything right. 
and then the personality of each of them is different. So you have to know when to wink at them, when to pat them, when to kick them in the rear. Mm. And, and that's as much psychology as it is X's and O's. You seem to always have such great uh, relationships with your players. I think high school coaches, what we struggle with finding the time throughout the day because they have class and all those other things that they have to do to, to meet with them. What are some strategies or tips that, that you've used over the years to meet with your players and build those personal relationships? Well, first of all, if you we're all realistic that when they leave college, half of them love you and half of them are mad at you. And it's always, always based on what? Playing time. Mm -hmm. That's why graduating all of them is important to me. Mm -hmm. It's because I can't tell those parents man, we're going to promise your kid playing time. We're going to promise your kid a national championship. A, you know, now it would be an SEC championship. But what we can promise them is we're going to send them back home with a college degree. That is my promise to you. When they're here playing, um, you know, you don't have enough time, even at the college level, to spend with them like you would like to. Um, but what you have is you have a regimented schedule that they know when their classes are, they know when to eat, when to lift weights, uh, when to get treatment. And it's really, really detailed and they learn how to adapt. Things start slowing down after their freshman year and they learn how to eat better and they learn how to work out harder. And um, I can't do that by myself. That's why you have numerous people within your program that each of them relates to and finds a bond with. And uh, then they feed me, you know, when a kid needs my attention or, you know, something that, that I may need to know. The Jamoni Podcast is powered by Bology. What's your BSA score? The Bology Skill Assessment is the only verified skills metric endorsed by colleges to discover and develop the best talent for your team. This 10-minute, 100-shot test can be taken for free today on the Bology mobile app. Elevate your game. When, when off-season happens, and obviously your players, like you just mentioned, they have their strength coaches, and they're, and they're also probably motivated on their, on their own to get better. But what are some expectations that you have for players in that off-season time? I may be a lot different than most coaches. Um, a lot of coaches give them a couple weeks off after the season. And man, they're right back in, in working out. I think summers is a time for all, summertime is a time for all of us, the players and the coaches to exhale, regroup and start over. And we don't have um, a lot of time in the summer to do that because we have camps going on, we have recruiting going on. So I depend on my strength and conditioning coach and our trainer to make sure that one, you're keeping them in shape, you're keeping them in condition, you're not doing too much and let them just kind of just relax a little bit. Mm -hmm. And sometimes in the summer, depending if it's a new team, if it's a young team, uh, I can do individual work with them for an eight week period, so many hours a week and all that. It just depends on what that particular team needs. But uh, sometimes I can now bring them in as a team. I don't have to just do individual work, but I just think summers are a time for all of us to exhale and regroup and, and, and get re-energized. Man, I think that's 
that's powerful to hear as summer's coming up and, and a lot of coaches are scrambling to, to get every ounce of time that they can. You know, here is somebody with your experience and your success saying, you know, let them breathe a little bit and maybe even take a break from us, the people that we see like every day of the year. You think about our sport. We start school in August and you start with your first team meeting and then you start with strength and conditioning. And then you have the time frame when you can actually uh, have them so many hours a week. So let's say you just start August, official mm -hmm. practices start October. You go from October until April in this sport with Maybe if you're lucky, a week off at Christmas. <laughs> right. It is a long season and you just have to be careful because of injuries, because of burnout. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, I just have always felt that I have a knack for knowing how long to practice, how, how, how much time to give them off. I'm not certainly going to say I have all the answers, but having played, I feel like I have a good feel for that. What's the one thing you would do differently if you could start over in coaching? Probably not get it. No, I'm teasing. <laughs> um, I was actually talked into coaching and wow, I'm so glad that I was because uh, I didn't realize this is what I'm meant to do. So as a player, as a player, you never thought about it, you know, being nope. cerebral and being the player that you were. Okay. Nope. Nope. My degree was in business administration. I was working on my MBA after the 84 Olympics. The president of Louisiana Tech University, F.J. Taylor, called me to his office and talked me into starting out as a 23-year-old assistant coach. Never got to finish my master's degree. Um, it, we all have things that we think back on and we wish we hadn't handled it that well. Um, I mean, ha wish we hadn't handled it that bad. There's so many of those um, and, and you just feel bad about, but it would be immaturity at a young age and not handle a situation with a player better um, that you would handle differently 20 years into your coaching. Um, I think the, the one thing that has never changed is my personality is such that, you know, I, I carry it with me internally for a while. While there's been so many great moments and Gosh, so many wonderful things. I tend to think about the one little negative thing at practice that that happened or or the one loss that, you know, maybe I could have done a better job coaching. Uh, but I guess that's your personality. That's what motivates you. But it probably is also what puts you in your grave earlier than you need to be. <laughs> yeah, any advice, any advice for those coaches that do maybe hold on to things, you know, longer than necessary? You can't go to a class. You can't take medicine. You can't stop it. It's who you are, I think. But as you age, you learn how to handle it better. Um, and if you have family, do the best that you can in spending time with your family and get away from it mm. and realize that um, that's what's most important is your family. That's, Not wins yeah. and losses. Uh, and sometimes it's hard to let go of it, but you, you, you need to. Yeah, that's great advice. My, my son is, is coming up. He's going to be a freshman next year. And it'll be the first time I have one of my own children in the program that I'm coaching. You have experience with that. And I had to ask you, what advice do you have for me in coaching my own? 
one, you don't coach him any differently. But the thing I did that I probably looking back on now should not have done. I won't say that I was harder on her. Mm. I was the same coach towards her that I was to the other players. But what I probably didn't do a good job of is I should have played her more earlier in her career. Mm. And I think that I um, subconsciously probably thought I don't want to ever show um you know, partiality yeah, or favoritism. Uh, yeah. yeah, favoritism. And I probably erred on the side of, you know, she really didn't get in that lineup regularly till her senior year. And she probably should have gotten in more her junior year. Coaches, the one thing that every team needs is competent shooters. The last eight years at Grapevine Faith, our teams have averaged 354 made threes each season. I love getting to share with coaches how our shooters train and more importantly, how they think. If you would like to enhance your shooting culture at your school, contact me directly at jamodipodcast at gmail.com. Uh, right, I got you. We okay. Can go. All right, here we go. Real quick. And uh, for high school, shot clock or no shot clock? Shot clock. Texting or talking? Talking. Favorite holiday? Christmas. Invisibility or super strength? Super strength. Favorite place you want to travel? home I love it. uh two more how many cups of coffee you drink per day zero have never had coffee in my life never no coffee no Good coffee and no alcohol never even tasted it i never knew that about you that's yeah. incredible and it's not because i'm opposed to it i have alcohol in my home I, i'd be a no. great bartender i, I was scared <laughs> of it man i've yeah. so many people intoxicated into bed at Watch what it does to people. And I thought, if I like it, we're going to be in trouble. So yeah. what you don't know, you don't miss. Absolutely. Uh, how many hours of sleep do you need? Oh, I love more than I get, but I probably get on average seven. All right. Last one. Godfather or Star Wars? Godfather. I'm from Louisiana. <laughs> Lots of Italian people. Dated many Italian boys. Uh, Coach, I, I know your time's precious. Thank you so much for spending this moment with me. And I just want to let you know, uh, I, I'm as from a Baylor grad, like I'm just so uh, appreciative of the all the years that you spent at Baylor and all the amazing things you did for our university. I'm really thankful. Well, Matt, you were here when we all we both started. You went through a lot as a student athlete, and uh, I watched it firsthand. And what happens? People can't appreciate that or understand that unless they were involved and saw it every day. Mm -hmm. We tend to just live in the moment. Buddy, my 21 years at Baylor University were absolutely wonderful. Even during the losses, during the tragedies, um, how could I ever say anything but wonderful things? I went into the Hall of Fame as a Baylor Bear. And that's, that's only school I've ever coached at. So I don't forget what you've been through and what a lot of people have been through. And it will forever be etched right up here. And we thank you, buddy. We thank you because you went through a heck of a lot more during your time as a student athlete than most student athletes will ever go through. And look how you are. You're a great <laughs> man. You're a father. You're a coach. And it made a lot it made you who you are. 
going right. through that while you didn't choose to go through it, it right. made you who you are. Life's experiences and how we handle it make us who we are. Yes, ma'am. It's those dots on a map. You know, you, you, you can't see it at the time or why, how it's going to impact you. But when you look back, you can definitely see the connections and uh, blessed to get to be around you for those four years. And thank you. You got it, buddy. Keep, keep, keep in touch. Okay. All right, coach. Thank you so much. You're, You're one of the best. Thank you for checking out today's episode. Please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast, share it with your fellow coaches and find us on social media for what's coming up next on the Jamoti podcast. It's just a matter of doing it.